Hello and welcome to VFM, the Pensions Podcast. This is our summer special. Welcome to the VFM Pensions Podcast. I'm delighted as ever to be joined by my co-host Darren Phil. Thanks Nico and of course it's great to be chatting again with the one, the only Nico Aspinall. <laughs> Are you looking forward to the new footy season Nico? Yeah I, I am. I'm sort of trying not to to be honest. Um, There's charity I, shield uh, this weekend or community shield. I know shield. I, I, just, I, I, I just don't want my life sucked into sport until the actual competition starts. Um, so I've, I've been avoiding thinking about the preseason games. I don't know that they're, they're real football matches. Um, I sort of try not to worry too much about the transfer market. Um, I just want to turn up and go, who on earth is that? And then for the other people around me to go, like, oh, don't you know anything? Yeah. Um, and then explain in long detail who, who uh, Timber is. So, um, yeah, I am. I am. It's, it, it, you know, there's two things. One is obviously the sports and then the other is just the sort of friendship and community. Yeah. Um, of going to going to sporting events, so uh, yeah, it, it it always feels like a long summer. Well, hopefully you'll invite um, yeah. me along to a few games um, this season. <laughs> well, I try, mate, but you, you seem not to. Uh, you don't want to sit in my seat, that's, so that's not true. Um, that's not true. You you say you don't know my friends. I was like, well, you could, Darren. You could. <laughs> Excellent. So um, back to the podcast. Um, yes. We've been going uh, pretty much half a year now. Uh, I know, more than half a year. More than half a year, yeah, 28 episodes, three specials. And I think as we enter the summer break, um, we thought we'd take a bit of a step back and look mm. at some of the key themes that have sparked some discussion and debate. And dare I say it, some maybe social media controversy, Nico, um, <laughs> on the podcast series so far. All controversy is uh, is is appropriate to us, isn't it? Um <laughs> So, uh, but also the, the, the VFM consultation response. Indeed, so, indeed. Um, uh, what was it, two, three weeks ago now, the government came back out, the DWP, um, to talk about uh, the responses they had received to the VFM uh, consultation. I didn't see in there, um, I'm not jumping straight into it, but uh, I, I didn't see that they said we received lots of responses and a recording of an audio tape. No, we, I, did, we did get mentioned. We, we got did mentioned, get mentioned as Darren and Nico, or Darren Philp yeah. and Nico Aspinall, um, but there was no mention of VFM Pensions Podcast, and there was no there mention go. that um, it was the first time they'd ever received um, a podcast recording as a consultation response, although if you remember, <laughs> Lou did pick up on that last week um, when, yes. we, when we chatted with her. Always innovating. Indeed. Um I, I'm not sure we can claim it as a world first. We need to do some research on that, but uh, I can add first. it to my list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, so uh, I've had some feedback, Darren. Oh, um, all good. I from, hope. Uh, <laughs> or, or, absolutely. Am I, I, I going to steal myself? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So all feedback is good. It's opportunities to to develop. Um, but from a loyal listener who says uh, we're part of her week. Um, and uh, uh, the commute, I think, probably on a mon Monday, uh, is half an hour there, half an hour back. So please don't go over an hour. Right. That was her. Okay. 
that was her steer so um uh yeah great to great to hear from you guys um uh, looking at the numbers and uh, darren you're very good at telling us that we're over like six and a half thousand listeners yeah we're, 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 we're about seven thousand downloads so far that's oh, amazing so, yeah so um you know great to hear the feedback from you guys yeah. um I'm delighted if we're part of your kind of weekly routine um and uh yeah it'd be lovely to to have you sharing kind of how you listen to us um and uh yeah any kind of feedback you have um we might have to steal ourselves but, maybe um, maybe um maybe people should um take selfies of themselves listening to the vfm podcast and uh post and, and drinking media. a pink grasshopper that's, that's what that, i'd like to say that could well be um yeah i i, I like that idea <laughs> um so uh we chatted a bit before kind of starting and we ummed and about doing news and said actually yes there's lots to talk about um so yeah do you want to do you want to start yeah um so i've got a couple of um items this week um and as we haven't got a guest and as we're doing a um a bit of a roundup um, the first was um, I was reading the the, the, the the Times and I was looking at the Times cartoon from a few days ago um, and it had a picture of um, the world burning uh, with mm. the caption heat wave and then it had a, um, a picture of Mr Sunak with um, in front of some oil fields um, with um, the, the, the caption brainwave. And, um, you know, it just got me thinking, and I did post on LinkedIn about this, that there is a real, um, you know, clash between short-term political popularism, need to get elected or stay elected, versus how do we solve some of the big questions that face our society um, over the long term. And, you know, we've often talked about this in the pensions context, and, you know, we've often lauded the Pensions Commission and the work that they did and providing that long-term strategic framework. And it's just like, how do you get the balance right between short-term mm. popularism, politics, um, keeping elected versus um, taking some of the difficult decisions that, you know, might not uh, benefit us over the next five years or so, but, mm. it, but, but you know, definitely need, need, ta- need tackling. Yeah. Um, so I want to bring another thing into this conversation. So I think it's um, in the FT, I think it's uh, Jen and Ganesh uh, did a column on, I can't remember what the title was, but essentially um, we're starting to see kind of uh, climate as a wedge issue between <clears throat> Labour and Tory policy yeah. uh, have, and the breakdown of the consensus. I think consensus is in the title. Um, so, uh, you know, I think previously... You know, there's been obviously debate as to how you implement kind of a net zero, um, and you know, when and how and all that kind of stuff and who pays. Um, uh, but now potentially there are um, election issues around kind of whether mm. you implement net zero and uh, maybe the how becomes a sort of like how how much as opposed to uh, kind of how, how quickly and, you know, do we retire cars and all that kind of stuff. So, um Slightly disappointing, I think, from our politicians. I I suspect that there are fewer conservative voters who agree with you know climate destruction than uh, than are noisy about it. Let's yeah, put it that way. Yeah. Um, and it's probably an electoral misstep. Um, it might sort of enlighten the base and that kind of core Tory vote, but I, I suspect there's people who would think twice and they're probably people who wouldn't vote labor 
um, but they may well be people who don't wouldn't vote. Um, I suspect that's going to be the, the the narrative of the next general election will be about kind of low turnout, yeah, um, as opposed to necessarily massive swings. Yeah, that could be quite interesting. Um, it'll be mm. interesting to, to to look at what that could actually mean um, for for the electoral arithmetic because the swing that is needed uh, for Labour to get into power is actually quite huge. Mm. You know, um, mm. and and it, um, could low, low turnout, you know, and and it, and it rather than swing. You know, could that sort of fundamentally mean that you know we're in that sort of hung parliament coalition territory again? Could yeah, well be. Yeah, right. But but but, but uh, I think um, yeah, it's and and you know, it's quite natural that you go to the climate points, and that's an obvious one. But you know, mm. it's true for pensions. It's it's um true. It's true for long term economic development. You know, um, yeah. You know, constant chopping and changing of the tax regime doesn't help anyone. Doesn't help companies trying to plan. You know, we keep talking about social care and the big challenge around social care. You know, and mm, you need that mm. cross-party, long-term political consensus to, to, um, to, you know, to address and pick up on some of those issues. So, mm. you know, um, yeah. But, but then on on fiscal policy, they are remarkably consistent with each other. Um, well, because and... because they all because to get elected, they all have to sort of back each other's plans, don't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the incumbency effect, I think, and fiscal discipline, yeah, means that uh, you know the opposition essentially has to go. Yeah, they're very sensible. I mean, obviously, we'll do things differently, you know, during the parliament, uh, but yeah. we can't put that in the manifesto. No. So, it, 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 you know, that you get all of these issues which are slightly tangential to how you're going to be running the government twenty twenty five onwards. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other thing to say about this is I, I don't know what the lead time is between kind of issuing a license to drill and pumping oil out of the North Sea, but it's quite a complex place to get oil from. Um, I know that they've been doing it's, it for 30, not, 40 years. It's so. not overnight, is it? It's not overnight. So, um, you know, if <clears throat> if they were organised enough to issue a license today um, and there has to be a bidding process, then, uh, you know, when would this oil actually be pumped out of the ground? It may, um, maybe never. Maybe that's the uh, maybe that's the trick in this, Nikkei. Eh? Well, you know, you know t- talk but, about something pre-election and then you know never have to follow through on it. Wouldn't be the first time. Yeah, but the oil and gas companies are are not mugs here. Um, <laughs> you know, they are in the main kind of global businesses. Um, maybe call them semi-global, multi-territory businesses. Um, and if they realise that it's expenses, I'm sure it's expensive to go and bid for one of these licences and do the prospecting and all of that kind of baggage. Um, and if it looks like the UK is a place which is sort of giving lip service to those, the RFP, that's how I'd frame it as a, as a pensions person. Um, you know, if it, if you received an RFP where it goes like, yeah, we kind of think we're going to, want to do this, but we're probably going to kind of stick with our current strategy. So could you just go and write a couple of thousand pages of submission? You know, you just don't do that. Mm. So um, I'd be interested in seeing the response because I think that will that will dictate whether that will tell us whether the oil and gas companies essentially trust the government um, and surely this strategy transitions um, through, through the general election, whatever the results of that might be. Mm. Um, I mean, the other piece, I am slightly sympathetic to this. I know I'm a sort of climate change advocate, um, but, you know, the energy security narrative here, I think is worth kind of touching on. Yeah. Um, you know, we do ship oil and gas around the world. Um, that in itself pollutes uh, carbon dioxide from the shipping. Um 
you know, that that story does resonate with me. Mm. Um, we are going to be burning petrol for, for a few years to come, for sure. Uh, gas for longer. It's going to be part of the electricity mix. Um, we need more electricity as we start to electrify the vehicle fleet. Um, uh, I don't know if you saw, I think it wasn't Panorama. I'm not quite sure what the BBC series is, but they had an hour two nights ago on uh, climate change. Um, I can't remember their science correspondent's name, but I think it's part of his series. Mm. Um, and, you know, uh, heat pumps, that's another, that's another, if you take like a unit of one, the current electricity consumption, then you need another unit of one to electrify the vehicle fleet. And then you need another unit of one for uh, heat pumps, right? which is the current uh, boiler replacement, yep. fossil fuel replacement for, for, electric, uh, for home heating. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, that's a huge amount more electricity. Yeah. Um, you know, it's taken us uh, 100 and something years to install the electricity that we have to get to that unit of one. So to install kind of two units uh, over the next decade um wow that's that's going it is, isn't it? um and that's jumping over all of the intermittency issues and you know battery storage mm. which is uh partially proven technology i'd say maybe not economically scaled but uh, definitely kind of good good discussions about how to do that a good good kind of um business is trying to do that um and of course all of the rare earth metals and the the places you need to dig them up from. So I, I do get the narrative of like domestic gas. Um, what I what I really dislike is the sort of dartboard uh, approach of like, here is one topic. Let's not talk about how we electrify the vehicle fleet, how we build all of that electricity capacity, how we build and address the intermittency issue, mm. um, where we need to put the wind turbines, uh, you know, how we need to address kind of local planning concerns over national needs. Uh, there's the, the grid issues of um, the naughty uh, wind turbine fleet um, and uh, people in, I think it's Suffolk, not wanting the, the kind of cables to come ashore there and wanting the cables to go kind of longer through the, the sea. Mm. So there's, there's loads and loads of topics here. Yep. And I just fear if you, if you deal with them one by one, then you come up with these contradictory answers. Yep. Um, and actually, it, I guess I'm speaking to your your overall framing of your piece on LinkedIn is long-termism and trying to do that planning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a great cartoon yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from heat wave to brainwave. <laughs> they're, they're always pretty good, actually. They're always pretty good. So um, uh, my other piece of news um, <laughs> is um, we had a, we have a rebuttal, Nico. Um, if we, 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 um, we were talking oh. last week, we were talking last week about, um, my pension expert, not related to the Pension Expert magazine, but um, an advisory company, I think, um, had raised concerns re revealing mm -hmm. that savers had to wait an average of 29 days for transferring their pension funds. Yes. With some providers taking this, as long as This is as my news story last week. 120 yeah. days, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it wasn't a rebuttal against you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, Orego. Um, have come Good. out. Good, although I'm open. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, have come out and said, "Well, hold on a minute. You know, um, I think Orego have their options service. I think that runs a, a you know a, a huge percentage of um, transfers um, between pension schemes." And they're saying, "Well, that's not what we see." Um, you know, and and the headline mm. is "Long pension transfer times not indicative of overall market." Um, and I think there's, you know, it's very easy 
um, to do a, a survey or to use a small sample size to create a story. Um, and I think we talked at the time last mm. week about, um, you know, okay, well, are these more difficult transfers? You know, it depends on, you know, where the transfers are going, who they're from, you know, could they be DB or have a guaranteed element? You know, you just don't know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's very easy to say, oh, yes, this, this transfer took 120 days. But there's nothing like having the evidence and the facts. You know, um, so good on Orego for, you know, they've got their transfer yep. index. They, they put that out. You know, this is just the raw stats of, of what they see um, from their system. And I think all the, you know, all the providers provide data to this. Um, most of the enlightened providers mm. will, you know, allow their data to be published, which is good. Um, you know, and I think, you know, using actual evidence and actual data to get through the problem rather than, you know, some of these surveys, which are just, let, let's, let's, let's be honest, they're just looking to grab a headline, um, I think is, is, is good. So, mm. you know. Well done, Orgo. Uh, well done, Mr. Yeah. Rafferty and Co. And so, good work. Just remind us, Darren. So Orgo is the kind of pipe work um, and the sort of messaging of these transfers. Is that, that right? That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 so, so basically, it's an instruction yeah, so, system. So yeah, and it's a it's a community of trust. Um, so you know, there's there's, mm. there's 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 messaging requirements. There's there's information standards, there's governance standards, you know, um, and they, they, they do the plumbing and they facilitate all of this. So if anyone knows what the picture is going to be, it's going to be those guys. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, what have you got, Nico? So, uh, yeah, I sort of feel like, yeah, I, I sort of feel our news this week is going to be... Um, uh, a week in LinkedIn. <laughs> oh, <laughs> maybe we should be getting advertising from from LinkedIn, right? That's 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 possibly the space we should be in. Um, so um, I wanted to give a shout out to a couple of uh, uh, kind of pension moves because um, I saw I think yesterday Callum Stewart announced that he was going to Standard Life. Um, oh, so I saw that. Yeah, I think many people will know Callum as. Yeah, so he's like the, I think he was the DC partner um, or the DC investment partner for Hyman's Robertson. Um, and I've sort of known him as a champion of real assets uh, for DC schemes mm. um, and, and sustainability. So, you know, he's he's often, I think, been on stage and kind of commented in the press around the need for DC schemes to diversify um, and improve um you know, not just their kind of climate impacts, but they're, they're, they're missing out on opportunities to make returns without without a kind of full spectrum that their other institutional investors make. Yep. So um, it will be very interesting to see how Standard Life uh, integrate those views. Um, so, uh, yeah, best of luck to him. Um, Congratulations, Callum. Um, then we were talking... Yeah, so we were talking... Um, about this, Darren, and, and uh, you mentioned um, Dan. Is it Macosis? Uh, I, I um, was avoiding the use of the surname. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so Dan, who um, up until recently was, uh, I'd say, the uh, the father of pensions uh, podcasting, mm. um, man who uh, I think we looked up to very much in terms of. Uh, kind of his abilities and, and, and messaging in that space but of course his day job was working for lcp 
uh, again in the sort of uh, DC and investment space. So um, yeah, he's he's gone to take my old role, possibly with a slightly different job title, um, over at BNCE. Um, so supporting the People's Pension, People's Partnership, um, Nicky, People's Partnership um, now. Then it also. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's going to take me a while to be rebranded. Um, I still refer to TW and not <laughs> WTW, um, but uh, there we go. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. And, and then we also noted that Gary Smith, um, talking of TW or, or WW as, as it was, um, so Gary has uh, uh, been appointed as one of the trustees of Now, now Pensions. Um, so congratulations to him and congratulations to now pensions. I'm sure uh, that will be a, a very fruitful relationship. Um, yeah, Gary and I go quite far back. Um, so I had Gary as a, as a consultant when I was working for Barclays. That was probably 2007. So, um, gosh, 16 years. <laughs> well, well, I remember doing some work with Gary at, um, uh, when he was at BNC, when it was BNC. I uh, came in and did some consultancy work then, uh, which is when I first met him. Um, great oh, chap, yeah. great chap. And yeah, I 100% agree. Really good signing for now pensions. Mm, 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 mm. So um, I guess that's uh, not not news, um, but or not news in the way that we've done it before. Uh, but I think interesting to our listeners. We can, we can and, always uh, innovate. If you guys are listening in. We can always innovate. <laughs> Sometimes you might call them accidents, but uh, we love them. Um, so, um, yeah, the other thing that's been sort of bubbling around on LinkedIn for, for, for more than a week, but it sort of burst into the open uh, yesterday on the day of recording, so so uh, Wednesday, um, is essentially objections to the actuaries, the IFOAs, uh kind of governance changes that they made in a council session in June. And... I know that a lot of our listeners are not actuaries, so I'm really sorry for, for kind of talking about the, um, the, the kind of internal politics of uh, a membership body that you're not members of. Um, but I also know that we, we do have actuaries who listen to us. Um, so, yeah, this kind of started off, it's probably about 10 days ago, with a, um, a message from John Graunt, um, who uh, I had to look up. Uh, it's a historical reference. He was essentially a uh, mortality statistician in, I think, the 17th century. Um, so uh, he wasn't sort of on my list of uh, kind of fathers of the actuarial profession, but um, I think I think he is. Um, so this uh, uh, modern day John Graunt um, had blogged to say essentially these governance changes are ill conceived um, and specific points around um, essentially how the management boards or the unitary board, as it, as it will be, is constituted with essentially creating a minority of actuaries um, and uh, putting the nominations committee, which currently sits in council, uh, reporting into them. So I, I won't go too much into those details uh, <laughs> for the sake of our poor listeners. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, 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 we sort of saw this... Uh, and, and, you know, if you email in, if you write letters with, under a pseudonym, and particularly if I don't know what that pseudonym is, um, you know, it's sort of like, okay, you know, who's going to stand up and be counted on this? Yeah. Um, and then that's been sort of bubbling around in kind of LinkedIn chat. Um, and then yesterday, uh, Matthew Edwards, who is uh, an actuary at WTW, and, and I think best known for being one of the pioneers of the COVID actuarial response group, 
Um, so he and Stuart McDonald did kind of great work in 2020, uh, kind of promoting and demystifying some of the statistics of COVID. Um, so he came out, he, he, he posted a video, which um, was, was just <laughs> this sort of act of genius um, to kind of talk about uh, the problems with these, these kind of governance changes um, and highlight the fact that if actuaries uh, send an email to, to the Secretary of Council by the 14th of August, um, and if there are 50, then essentially the new council, and I'm sure listeners will know that I'm hoping to be a part of that, the new council will will be obliged to kind of consider these these uh, again. So I think that's what sort of sparked my interest, right. was thinking, well, so so I'm sort of supportive of the overall structure changes, which is there's, there's too much, uh, too many committees going into the wrong places. Mm. Um, but I'm also very supportive of this kind of concern around yeah, enabling the members to be essentially the majority of the management committee um, and ensuring that uh, the nominations process remains in the membership part of the organisation. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess a quick appeal to anybody who is a, an actuary of any any stripe um, to take a look at Matthew's post. Um, you might be able to find it through through me. Um, so that's Matthew Edwards. Um and to please consider, you know, writing to James Harrigan, um, who's the, the secretary, um, to say you object, because I think we do need to spend more time on this. Um, we remember, I, I think we covered it on this podcast, but certainly anybody who follows me on LinkedIn, there was this weird hiatus um, at the beginning of the uh, at beginning of the summer when we should have had the election started, but it didn't start. And in that space, this vote was passed through. Yep. Um, it's very, very murky as to what the actual decision is because you get the sort of press release version and there's no detail. Weirdly, in that press release, it goes extensive consultation and it's like, well, you know, I'm a deputy chair of one of their practice boards and I wasn't consulted on this. So I don't know what extensive means in that in that kind of sentence. Um, manage, so, yeah, okay. I think we manage, need more time. We need, manage, um, manage consultation. Well, we'll come on to the consultation that we, I'm sure our <laughs> listeners are desperate to hear our thoughts on. But, um, uh, you know, there is a difference between having a totally open letterbox and, yeah. let's say, being selective with how you think about the responses and having a closed letterbox um, and nobody knowing that a consultation is going on and uh, then still being selective with the responses. So, um yeah, uh, there's another actuary called Simon Jones, um, who's also standing for council. I should say Matthew is standing for council as well, um, who has talked about transparency, accountability, um, and I probably got that in the wrong way, uh, uh, essentially uh, 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 values. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, he, he kind of talks about how this process just can't, cannot have stood up to any sort of modern set of Kind of business values particularly for a membership organization so um you know we actuaries i guess we're we're quite a quiet bunch um i guess i've been concerned over the last 10 or 15 years of kind of knowing the profession at the increasing apathy between actuaries and their their membership body mm. um but it started to change um and a lot of people some quite senior voices are sort of coming out of the coming out of the woodwork and, and kind of saying actually this this is wrong mm. um it needs to be thought again 90 percent of it i think is is fine um but it's that 10 percent that that is going to be really important for the future of the profession um so yeah um 
you know, kind of what's it, TLDR, <laughs> um, uh, you know, take a look on LinkedIn, uh, have a think about this issue, uh, do object if you agree with that. Um, I have objective, I, sh I, I should say. Um, and uh, yeah, vote for me, Matthew and Simon. Um, there's also uh, Sandy Trust, Richard Galbraith and uh, Lucani Nehru um, that, that I've been endorsing. So um, I think we're a bunch of people who, when this new, hopefully when the, the kind of reconsideration comes to council, then, then you know, we're not going to be uh, kind of shied into just passing it without really deeply thinking about it. But we're also not just there to block things. Mm. Um, we, we just want the best solution. So um, there you go. A bit of a weird thing on a DC pensions podcast. And, and, and therein um, <laughs> ends the uh, party political broadcast for the, the Nico Aspinall X-Ray party. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, there we go. Um, I might train to become an actuary. Can I just make a link back to DC pensions? Go on. Oh, please do. Oh, Darren, you, I'd love you to be in the, in the Brethren. Um, <laughs> So um, I'll see if we can't get you an honorary fellowship, mate. You know, that's, yeah. uh, you heard it here first, listeners. Um, so um, you'd be the least suitable honorary fellow candidate that I could possibly think of. Darren. That's, that's, uh, I, I take, need you to do some more statistics I, for me. I take, I take, I take that as a compliment. <laughs> I did study econometrics, remember? Yeah, yeah we well, should. Yeah. yeah. I know it's in your wheelhouse, mate, but I've just not seen it in the last decade or so. Well, anyway, um, so. <laughs> So I, I've been an actuary working in defined contribution pensions for the last, uh, well, 16 years, as long as I've known De uh, Gary Smith. So, um, you know, if to me, the structure of the profession has just let slip this amazing opportunity um, to be helping to like all that, all those topics that we keep on talking about, like value for money should mm. be an actuarial topic. Mm. Um, uh, you know, engagement with people, uh, modeling uh, post-retirement, uh, that should be an actuarial topic. Uh, investment designs, that should be an actuarial topic. You know, all of these things um, we have cleared the field on. And there's a few of us brave souls uh, kind of like trying to use actuarial techniques in the field, but we get no support from the centre. Right. Um, and so, yeah, uh, you know, we desperately need a constitution and uh, actuaries, you know, in senior positions within the, the profession who actually want to do it. Um and um, yeah, at the, for various, various fascinating to talk about, but not on this podcast, kind of reasons. The institution has just been so focused on life and pensions, mm. pensions meaning DB, um, and, uh, you know, has just dropped the ball. Um, we're in the middle of dropping the ball on uh, data science and AI. Um, we're in the middle of dropping the ball really on climate change. We're doing some good thought pieces, but I, I really can't see that actuaries are obliged to do anything different. Um, as a result of them so uh yeah there we go uh there is a link into dc pensions which is the sort of anti-link um we need more actuaries in dc pensions um you'd expect me to say that i think <laughs> so what is the actuarial response to the vfm consultation nico let's get this podcast back on track what did we think of okay. the, what did we think um, about the, the 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 dwp's consultation response Yeah, I mean, I guess the first thing that struck me is just how slow anything is going to be in terms of getting into law. Yep, um, 100%. So, um, you know, was it a wasted exercise? I don't know. That's in the back of my mind. 
um, sort of interesting but not relevant to the government. Mm. Um, so I've got it open, but I haven't marked any paragraphs. Somewhere towards the top, I go like, we're unlikely to find parliamentary time for any primary legislation, you know, this side of, I guess, ever. Um, well, well, that was that was so. That was, you know, that, thanks for your responses. <laughs> that, that that was quite a theme in all of the consultations that came out in DC consul, consultation day mark two. Right. Um, that you know, a lot of this stuff does require legislation. A lot of this stuff does require parliamentary time to drive that legislation through. And you know, the caveat was on all of this was, um, okay, when parliamentary time allows. Um, certainly won't happen before the election. Mm. Um, that's why in some of the wider consultations, you know, the regulators and DWP were looking at, you know, how can we drive this forward, all of these agendas forward in a more voluntary way? Um, mm. And that's been a, a bit of a theme, a bit of a key theme in, in, in some of this. But fundamentally, a lot of this stuff does require legislation, whether primary or secondary. And yeah, I'm like, mm. I don't know. I, th- I, I, I I can see this some of this stuff gathering dust if we're not careful, you know. Like you know, it's it's almost like yes, we've yeah. written a nice report, we've done the consultation response. You know, there's a high level of agreement on stuff. There's still stuff in the in 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 play, but you know, will there be that political appetite to really drive this forward? And I think some of that goes into the motivations behind the consultation. You've got your nine mm-hmm. or ten schemes that have signed the what was it, the Mansion House Compact, going to invest. A proportion in the liquids, you know, is that job done? You know, I, I'm, I'm, I, 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 mm. I, I, I sincerely hope not, because I think it would be a missed opportunity. Um, but yeah, I can see the political interest in this sort of falling a bit to one side now if we're not careful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but so I just contrast the news that there's sort of scant parliamentary time with what I read in Private Eye. Um, which you know, I get has an act to grind. Oh, I love, I love um, private eye. But they were talking about essentially, yeah. I mean, to be honest, it's the last kind of bastion of, of print journalism, in my view. Mm. Um, and the depth of what they do, um, uh, it's also the last sort of success success story in British print journalism as well. They keep on growing their their readers. Mm. Um, so. You know, they tell us stories that the speaker, what's he called, Lindsay Hoyle, is like desperately extending debates because the government has put so little onto the um, the order paper that, um, you know, it makes very little sense to have Parliament open that day. Um, so the, the, the message that there's sort of no time um, just doesn't resonate with, I guess, what is happening in the Commons. No, no, it's, it's, I don't really understand. Maybe you're kind of closer. I don't know. I don't understand that, you know. Well, I, th- I think, um, you know, there's, I think where we are in the electoral cycle, yeah, um, just means that, you know, it'll be a brave government that looks to do anything rad- radical from a legislative perspective. Um, and, and I think, you know, um, yeah, I, I, I just find it odd. I think there's 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 some stuff that you know you you wouldn't want to be legislating for just before an election, um too too controversial you know could expose mm. some you know deep um deep divisions within the party or the the the, um, the governing party and stuff, so you know there's certainly an element of keeping your powder dry, but there's there's some stuff that ultimately mm. um there'd be cross party consensus on, and some of this pension stuff um yeah, yeah I, I I would put it in that category. I just think it's time, 
you know I, I think you know to, to legislate you need to um, be well prepared you know you need to you need to consult on the detail of that legislation you need to get parliamentary council drafting the law you know, you know um, and, and I think they've just run out of time to do it um, so I think they hide a lot between uh, behind parliamentary time but you know as you say there is parliamentary time at the moment mm -hmm. but it it will take some time to to, to, to actually be able to put some of these new laws before the House for them to actually discuss. But so, um, you know, I guess, uh, what's the, do you know that if I say what a temporary problem is, um, on, so this was me. told to me by a trustee. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it's uh so so uh there's a guy out in ireland going like how do i get to tipperary and uh you know he's sort of lost in some fields and the farmer goes well i wouldn't start from here <laughs> um so <laughs> so um uh it, it, it you know i i, I don't want a kind of like uh, a kind of historical reinvention to stop us from moving forward but but i understood that consultations should already have kind of draft bills lurking around somewhere um and because uh, otherwise they're calls for evidence um and that uh, essentially you know there was there was some i think i can't remember which of our guests kind of highlighted that to us um and said to us well you know there was a bit of an arm and an hour around whether this was a call for evidence or a consultation but they went for consultation um, well, well, and so, yeah, it just feels like they've. The, the, is this really a, a, has has there been a proper process here? It just feels. I think, um, and as you say, just on the other topic there, Darren, just on the, that other point. So, um, uh, you know, I cannot believe this is contentious. Yeah. <laughs> We've been talking about this for years, yeah. years. I've never heard anyone from Labour saying we shouldn't have value for money. Um, so get on with it, guys. Get on with it. This is this is just. As you say, if it sits on the long grass, it's going to get lost. Yeah, and, and I think um, you, you make good points there, Nico. Um, whether it's a call, consultation or call for evidence, um, you know, a, a little while ago, I think people used to use call for evidence because it had less Whitehall clearance issues than a proper consultation. So there's um, certainly internal right. um, uh, departmental management stuff that goes on there. Um, I hark back to the days where you had proper green papers and white papers um, and then you'd have a consultation <laughs> on um, you'd have a consultation on the legislation. Um, but as far as I'm aware, mm -hmm. um, that you know, in terms of the value for money stuff, there's not been any sign of any of the regs or the legislation or anything like that um, to actually consult on. So um, you know, I think mm -hmm. that you know there would certainly be another step to go through before this is um, anywhere near the statute book because we know that you can talk in in principle about um you know what you're trying to achieve but as the saying goes the devil's in the detail and things can get lost in translation when you try and put them in yeah. in, in legislation and you know you leisure leg, leg, legislate in um haste um repent at leisure um <laughs> so you know that that's well the incoming party can repent do the repenting exactly right? <laughs> exactly exactly but yeah i, I fund um, fundamentally so I did agree. you have any kind of uh did you did you have over overarching comments I, I thought it was okay i i i you know i thought i thought some of the more interesting <laughs> more interesting consultation responses were the other ones um actually i thought it was a bit meh yeah um a bit disappointed um it seemed yeah. uh 
it seemed to lack some energy. Um, and, you know, there mm. was, you know, like it was, yeah, we'll tweak it here, we'll tweak it there. Um, and there was obviously some good points of feedback. And they, they, they you know, they, they, they have evolved the framework in light of that feedback. But, yeah, I thought it was a bit, a bit disappointing, really. Um, I, I expected more energy about yeah. it, and you know, I was, you know, given all of the thought and all of the discussion and all of the debate that has gone into this in the last uh, few months or so, um, you know, there was no magic bullet, and I thought, you know, the industry would have actually, you yeah. know, come up with, okay, well, let's let's really rally around something and let's really drive this forward, and this is what we actually mean by value for money, and it was just sort of tweaking at the margins, tweaking at the edges, so yeah. You know, I was like a bit disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then a lot of the sort of things will come into some of the detail, uh, uh, but like a lot of the kind of responses are, you know, on either side, let's say, and then they kind of go, "Well, we'll continue then." <laughs> yeah, which, which is which, which, which is, as you say, no energy. Yeah, right. which, which which is which is the art of um, doing a response to a consultation like this. That you know, obviously, um, there's no quotes right. in the text from uh, Darren Philp and Nico Aspinall, um, so we are obviously um, too controversial. <laughs> yeah, I think you or... struggle to, in fairness. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably right. You know, not speaking in coherent sentences, mate. I know, I know. Um, but yeah, like um, you know, the art of doing these things is to pick out um, points from stakeholders that agree with you, um, pick out points that, from stakeholders that disagree with you, but not in such a way that. Um, sinks the idea below the water um, and then you know conclude that mm. um, everyone's in favor of stuff tweak it here and there and then um, and then move on um, so yeah like, I don't know I, um, I, I, I hope momentum is kept up on this I think that you know yeah there's 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 there's, there's work still to do on this and I think that the whole concept of value for money what we mean by it how we measure it um, how it's assessed is something that can never be static um, and I think we're continually evolving mm. over time as more thinking goes into this you know you saw how IGC started assessing this in the early days um, of IGCs you know they've become a lot more sophisticated they've become a lot better at doing this stuff you know just think about how master trust trustee boards have developed over the last 10 years or so um, you know it, it, there's a lot of learning mm. by doing and I think that, you know, the, there's been a lot of focus around this consultation document and there's a lot of focus around the legislation. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, we will continue with this, that, um, that, 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 that the, the market will continue to innovate. Um, the good schemes will continue to sort mm. of do that in a very public way. Um, but remember, a lot of this stuff is to do with consolidation and enforcing consolidation of, of smaller schemes. Um, to 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 align with a you know um, a, a wider political and um, regulatory agenda, and I think you know giving the regulators some teeth yeah. to actually consolidate um, schemes that aren't providing value for money with proper sanctions is the is 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 the bit that really really does need the legislation because you know the rest of the stuff can be done by voluntary codes and yeah. industry standards and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but we heard we heard from uh, I can't remember one of our guests that the FCA already has those powers, not not for trusts, uh, but it has enforcement powers in secondary 
regulation already. Um, no, exactly. So, ex yeah, ex again, it seems like ex there's a... Exactly. There's a bit of hiding going on, right? Yeah, the, the FCA does have, um, well, well, the, the FCA, I think, and I, I think I'm, I'm remembering this right from my days um, in the financial stability and risk team at the Treasury, Nikkei, that uh, FISMA, the Financial Services and oh, Markets Act, days. yeah, I know, the, the Financial Services and Markets Act actually um, gives the, or then the FCA the power, and obviously the FC, F, Sorry, the FSA at the time, but now the FCA. It gives it the power to, yeah, to actually yeah. make secondary legislation. So whereas um, the pensions mm. regulator can wait guidance and it can do code to practice, but they need to lay before the house, they can't actually legislate. Yeah, So they're quite limited in terms mm. of the mm. power that's given to them by parliament. Um, the FCA, on the other hand, can, you know, as long as it's acting um, within the law, and within the power that's given to it, 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 when it makes rules, yeah, and that has the equivalent status of secondary legislation. Um, so there's a lot of power there to do a lot of this stuff anyway. Yeah. 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 Um, so how should we talk about the the consultation response? I don't think we've got time to go section by section. No. So so I'm. Um, no, I think you're right. Do you want to pick out? Do you want to pick out some areas? Yeah, I, I can do. Yeah. Um, so. I think the a, a, a couple of areas the, the the phasing of the framework, yeah, um, is one, um, and we've talked about that mm, a lot. Mm. So you know what should be in phase one, what should be in subsequent phases, and you know the the discussion was very much around whether you know decumulation and a non workplace should be in phase one, and um, you know surprise surprise, I don't, mm. don't think it is that surprising. Um, the the phasing is as the phasing was. Mm um they're not going to change it yeah and and i think um you know i can see the arguments why and i think our thinking or certainly my thinking on this has, has evolved as a part of listening to our guests on this podcast and discussing some of the issues um i think you do need a framework that em encompasses it all i think you've made the point nico before mm. you know how mm. do you get decent comparators and a decent framework uh between retail and non or non-retail or retail and workplace and and I think you know that's that's yeah. in the difficult box at the moment. I don't think it's something we should avoid. Um, and and I think the way you might assess yeah. these things um, and the governance around some of these things might be different. But I think having some of those metrics to allow people mm. to to have transparency around the information, I think, is the the the, the bit that's really important on this. Um, on the decumulation side of things, I think that you know, I. I think if you were doing all of this stuff in the right order, you would have decumulation as a key part of this framework. However, there is another consultation on mm. um, the at retirement side of things, and really one has to follow the other. Um, and that consultation on the at retirement side of things is only a partial consultation because it's only about product. It's not about guidance, advice, or you know information and comms. So I think it's very difficult to you know, shoehorn VFM into, uh, sorry, at retirement VFM into this framework until you've actually worked through, you know, the wider objectives of the, the decumulation system. So, yeah, like, um, you know, mm. I, I think that for, 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 for me, having some comparable retail metrics um, that, 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 that individuals can use for comparison um, would, be, would be good mm. and would be the thing I would focus on. Um, for me, it's about information. 
um, uh, where my thinking's moved on, is is that, um, you know, different people are going to weight and value different stuff. Um, And I think if you're in that workplace environment whereby you're probably going to be defaulting, you know, um, you're relying on trustees Mm -hmm. or the governance body to do things for you. Um, Okay, you know, yes, there's there's an implicit set of choices that you've made there. Um, there's nothing wrong with having someone uh, from, from someone having a very different weighting of things that they value um, within the retail space. I think they just yeah. need to make sure that um, they are considering all of the different things um, and the, and the metrics and the comparators are done on a um, you know on a comparable basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this this area was the source of, I guess, maybe one of our largest controversies, um, which was (laughs) essentially a misunderstanding of when I said uh, retail is not value for money compared to uh, uh, workplace. Yeah. Um, And uh, that was on the terms that we put workplace, uh, you know, if we set the value for money framework up around workplace pensions, then when you put in phase two, retail pensions then they will not be value for money Mm. um and uh you know for the record i stand by those comments um and that for me is why decumulation and retail you know i i would rather we'd spent time thinking about value in savings and thinking about that objective in savings um and then coming out with a value for money framework on the basis of it Mm. um because yeah if you make it pre-retirement and then you shoehorn decumulation in then I think you'll find it biases is to us towards particular types of decumulation yeah. and away from others. Yeah. And it will just be awkward bedfellows. If you make it about pre-retirement workplace and then you stick in any point of retirement retail, then it will demonstrate that retail is bad value for money, despite the fact that what retail offers is choice uh, and uh, the ability to be essentially hooked in with your advisors and all sorts of kind of better engagement methodologies. Yeah. They just wouldn't be valued as part of the kind of uh, workplace uh, pre-retirement framework. So, yeah, for me, the, the, I guess the weird thing that's always sat around this consultation is trying to sharpen this stick to consolidate schemes and calling it. And it's just like, for me, it's always just been like clutching. What can we use to, to beat up these trustees of small schemes? Um, oh, let's use value for money. It's never been about value for money. It's just been about consolidation. Um, and I guess the performative consultation that we've got in front of us, which essentially says, let's get, I was just looking at the list of respondents. I guess 100 responses. Um, let's get 100 companies to spend goodness know how many hours individually going through this stuff, getting us responses. And then we'll just go like, oh, it's long grass because we can't get legislative time. You know, that to me is just, it's just this sort of weird world. Write us a consultation on consolidation powers. Hmm. Um, make the consolidation power number of members and comply or explain. And just get the pensions regulator going. Yeah. Um, value I, for money is not the stick. No, it's, you know? it's, a, it's a death by a thousand cuts. That's the approach when it comes to dealing with small schemes. Mm. And, and I would just rather, you know, um, the regulator just deal with the issue at hand um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a focused yeah. and sharp way. I, like, I love the way that you characterised it there. You know, um, just set some, just set some hurdles. <laughs> you know, just set some hurdles and then have a comply or explain. 
um, and if the regulator believes you know the, yeah. the explanation, fine, you continue. If the regulator doesn't believe you, then you don't continue. You know, um, end of. Yeah, and yeah. Um, you know, uh, although I, I, I think half of the problem is, you know, if you were to ask TPR, and I'm sure we've discussed this as part of a news story and that before, um, that, you know, how many how many schemes are actually aware or how many small schemes are aware that they've got to do a value yeah, for money assessment? Yeah, yeah, we have, yeah. So, you know, that shows the, mm. the, 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 the uphill struggle that I'm not going to say the regulator's got, but the sector has got in dealing with this. Because if you get a yeah. um, high percentage of, of schemes not even realising they have to do an assessment, like blimey, you know, that for me would yeah. be um, grounds for shutting them down in the first place because they haven't got a relationship with the regulator and they're not listening to, you know, regulatory um, instruction. But look, so so I guess my behavioural finance kind of um, uh, uh, sense is tingling, right? So um, the, uh, you know, we, we've got to make it as easy as possible for the government to achieve what it wants to achieve, mm. which is uh, for there to be only small schemes who the trustees believe are offering value for money. Um, so we just need a, a, a power in law for the pensions regulator to essentially have a default position, which is you're going to close. For that to maybe there's a um, uh, a phasing where you say, okay, so this year it's schemes less than a hundred, next year it's less mm. less than a thousand, year after who knows, right? Members or assets. Um, and then you just need to be able to kind of, you know, uh, grease the, 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 the rails that takes a scheme from being an open, uh, active subscale scheme into one of the open, active scale schemes. Um, and whether that's to have carousel type mechanisms, um, whether that's to have like a standard template for RFPs that the, the, the receiving schemes can just fit in once and it can apply to thousands of schemes at a time this we should be focused on innovating how to consolidate this industry mm. and not coming up with deeply philosophical it reminds me what's i think it's the indian proverb where there's three blind men uh, uh trying to work out what an elephant is and one's got the the side and he thinks it's a wall and one's got the the leg and he thinks it's a tree and one's got the the trunk and he thinks it's a snake right mm. value for money is a lens that we can all put ourselves into and we can all come up with different values and assess them as being value for money. And that is the state of play and making it more complicated will just make it a more complicated current status quo. It will not change who decides their value for money or not. Um, so yeah, it, for me, it's just this massive red herring, this policy failure, frankly, of just using this very, very strange tool uh, well, as it's the man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> We're now in a situation where somebody's got to put up some shelves and has screws and they're like deliberately trying to find ways to nail it because like they've got a hammer and it's mm. like, no, 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 just go and get a screwdriver, guys. Yeah. There we go. Was that a, that was a weird metaphor, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> it, 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 it was. Um, I'm just conscious of the, the, the feedback that we had um, and we've been rambling yes. on about actuaries and... Um, IFOA and all of that type of stuff. So we've Hopefully got, entertaining. Like. Yeah, I, I, I think so. <laughs> um, it was educational, if, if not entertaining. Um, the uh, <laughs> um, we got five minutes to do the rest of the. Do you want to do you want to talk about other things, other yeah. consultations? No, no, Which I mean, so no, no, so, 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 so I, I wanted to just pick up two other things on the VFM consultation response. Okay. Um, something that we've we've talked about before. 
um, uh, focus on gross returns rather than net returns. Um, obviously, yes. I'd always rather net returns when it comes because because net returns is, is 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 a good measure. But for this, gross returns is a better measure. Yeah, because ultimately, otherwise, I think mm. you coined the phrase "value for money for money," uh, Nico, and I, and I think that you know right. having having the gross returns and then having costs and charges separate, you know, allows the calculations to be made. Mm. Um, it means that I think that you have less calculations to do. Um, it makes some of the the, the yes. employer cohort stuff um, easier. Um, and it just makes sense. So mm -hmm. good that they've listened and good that they're still going to be splitting out admin costs. Yes. Um, let's talk a little bit about the kind of different return features. So uh, chain linking, mm. um, it was one of those that I sort of predicted. So chain linking would be the default has changed in the past. So to talk about the performance, yep. you can't talk about the current constitution of the default. You need to talk about how it was in the past. Yep. Um, and I think at the time I predicted that um, providers would be uh, pretty upset about this because it's complex, um, and uh, but that it's, it's necessary. Um, and the sort of consultation response goes like, we hear you, but we think it's still a good thing. Um, so, uh, you know, that's sort of going ahead. Um, the other piece, um, I think I'd put in returns, maybe it's the wrong place, costs and charges. Mm. Um, this desire still to have a kind of single measure of what a scheme costs, despite the fact that there are three charging bases which have found their places in our kind of DC pensions ecosystem. So, you know, ad valorem charges, percentage charges, um, uh, contribution charges that obviously nest levy and then per member charges. Yep. Um, and so there is still, when you come back to that net calculation, there is still this kind of worry, I guess, from um, FCA, Treasury, DWP, TPR, that you can't kind find fair comparisons. Um, I would be much more worried, and I, I, I think Darren, we've talked about this on this on this podcast before. I'd be much more worried that essentially you you make auto enrollment fail if you take away those member charges, um, because there's no doubt that those small parts, without solving small parts, and maybe we'll talk about that in a second, then we've got a lot of uh, members who are essentially a drain on the resources of not-for-profit schemes as well as for-profit schemes. Um, and without those member charges, there is, there's kind of no bulwark against that. Yeah. So that kind of desire for a simple, again, the desire for a simple value for money measure, uh, the desire for a simple for money measure, um, uh, leading to potentially the destruction of auto enrollment. You know what? Which is higher priority for me? Absolutely, auto enrollment. Um, and uh, so I just cautioned against that desire, which is still there. So it's actually come out clearer in the consultation response, I think, than in the consultation. Yeah, and I think um, for me, it's um, a precursor to a single charging structure at some point in the future. Um, mm. We know that they're still hankering after that. Um, but equally, mm. um, the finances um, and the loan that Nest have got means that until they've reached the, a, a certain tipping point, um, they can't they can't move there. Um, but we knew that the the previous yeah. uh, um, pensions minister was very keen on um, a single charging structure, and I don't think it will go away. Um, and I don't, and I don't think um, you you can get yeah. there at some point. But again, it becomes it, it, it's it's about timing. Because if you get the timing wrong, then you screw the economics of auto enrollment um, and provision of um, yeah. you know mass market pensions to people with um, quite small pots. So you know it's time will come, um, but you know let's 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 do it at the right point. 
And yeah. the the other bit, yeah. and really conscious um, of time. You wanted to talk about some other things. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a really conscious of time. Um, uh, the I, I think their their thinkings involve have, has evolved on the sort of communications and support side of things. Um, you know, I think they they, mm. they they saw their proposals as a starting point, but I think the the the, the responses that came back was okay. There's 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 more to you know measuring effective engagement and effective communications than just you know um, logging onto your online account or um, um, updating your um, deaf beneficiary. Important as I, those two things actually are. So I think um, you know on that side of things, my interpretation was steady as she goes. Um, but they will they will pick up wider metrics and are, are, are pleased that the industry has engaged on what some of those wider metrics um, will be, and to sort of go into that framework um, long, long, longer longer term. Yeah, yeah. I mean, loads more we could talk about, um, but uh, I, th I think for the sake, I mean, it's a really interesting. I guess it, it's it's our pet topic, and it's a really interesting kind of summary of uh, kind of all the different issues that. That are kind of in scope. I mean, I guess my last thought is just I'm sure I I, I wonder if consultations work because you know the sort of interesting bit is not answering any of the questions. It's kind of providing pro providing that frontispiece, yes. which goes you know I I, I disagree, <laughs> right? Um, so because um, what's not really covered or I haven't found it is the sense that the first thing that you're measuring in value for money is outcomes and then the only other things you should be measuring is things that improve outcomes and therefore rather than talking about and it does get into the weeds of like administration and engagement um uh, you know but, but it's the justification process for why have you got a measure on an administration when you offer you know no choices or engagement and you can't you know allow people to change their contributions or yeah, whatever it yeah, is yeah so, yeah, yeah. so I, I i feel like there wasn't a question on that mm. um, but they must have received a lot of interesting kind of opinion on that and so it'd be yeah it's just a shame that they they sort of they can't pro forma uh the the, the kind of things out out of out of uh questions but there we go that's that was my last thought down we were to um, people are getting into the car park at home, mate. Well, I, I was just say the the, the 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 train is rattling into the station, um, so we should say goodbye, yeah. shouldn't we? Um, and yeah, keep, keep um, been great, we should. great, great, we should. great fun talking to you in this special. Um, hopefully, we'll be back to normal next week, as ever, mate. Um, as ever, as ever, always good. Um, enjoy the Community yes. Shield. Um, I think you're 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 going to be away in France. I'm away in Wales at the moment. Um, yeah, I'll I, be away. The, the the weather has been absolutely shocking. Um, yeah, um, so so basically uh -huh. it's been been raining a lot and very windy. But you know what do you expect? It's Wales. Um, but but yeah, but but even so, been <laughs> been, been you know having a lovely break. But until next time, uh, thanks very much for listening and Good. great to chat, Nico. Yeah, goodbye from me. Thanks, everyone.